in semi trucks now. I'm bringing, you know, with, with smokers on them. I've got, I've got generators that that are mounted to the step deck of, of, of a flatbed trailer that that power the entire kitchen area. Um, I carry that stuff with me, so when I roll in, I'm I'm, I'm self-contained. You know, self-contained now for us means <laughs> doesn't me, means I can power a small city. That was Stan Hayes, co-founder and CEO of Operation Barbecue Relief, and this is Guild Stories. Hey, welcome back to Guild Stories. Um, I'm smiling because we should have already been recording for the last <laughs> 30 minutes, but uh, Stan Hayes, founder, CEO, cool guy, owner. I don't know. What, what's your functional title? Um, I, I, I call myself co-founder and CEO of Operation Barbecue Relief. Love it. Um if you haven't heard of Operation Barbecue Relief, you need to, and you need to Google that while while you're driving, um, if I can say that, while you're ta- while you're listening to this, um, because I think it'll help orient you into the story. Um, Stan and I go back to both of our previous lives, and we were like inch deep kind of acquaintances and yeah. trying to understand um, when we when we both worked somewhere else, and not the exact same timeline, but close. Um, we, he launched a thing, and then I launched a thing, and then, as uh, as the universe would have it, it spun back around to a connection through a, a dear friend, Marcy Johnson at National Beef, and we found ourselves on a call, and I was like, "Holy shit, this guy's built something so <laughs> cool!" And not just cool, way way more important than cool, um, something really really good. And I'm excited to uh, let all you folks hear his story. So, Stan, welcome to the show, man. Hey, I appreciate it, Justin. Uh, for those who don't know, as they Google and drive, um, Operation Barbecue Relief, where, where was that born and why? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, gosh, almost 12 years ago. I mean, 12 years ago this month Dang. was the Joplin tornado. I mean, it, it, it's hard to believe that it was almost 12 years ago, right? Um, but, yeah, what, the 22nd of this month? 08, right? Um, in 2011. 2011. Yeah, so, um, so May, I think it was May 22nd. Okay. Um, you know, one of the most devastating tornadoes to hit in yeah. the United States yeah. uh, in history hit Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. Um, you think back, uh, back, back in that time, it's about the time that, you know, technology and TV yeah. and all of that was really coming along. And it's one of, it's probably the second time I remember literally seeing a helicopter follow the devastation as it's happening. Mm. You, you could see the, the helicopter was showing like the tornado off miles ahead of it, but you could see that the devastation below and I just remember sitting there thinking, that, you know, how, how helpless it was, right? You know, these people are that, that are going through this. I mean, obviously, they're, from that damage, there's going to be fatalities, and that's the horrible part. The other part, though, is those people that are going to come out trying to find what's left of their life on their lawn and everything. I wasn't thinking anything about barbecue. I wasn't thinking anything about that. I was thinking about humanity. I was thinking about, man, what those people were going through. And, you know, I go to bed that night sort of, you know, thinking those same things. Sunday night it hit, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, okay. Sunday okay. night. Yeah, it was late Sunday afternoon it hit. Yeah. And so you're watching, you know, I watched that into who knows how late at night on the Weather Channel. And uh, next morning as I'm getting ready for work, I'm, you know, running running late. And uh, my wife looks at me. She's like, you got to go. And uh, I was like, yeah, no, I'm running a little late. You know, maybe a little bit of a smart ass to her. And she said, no, you know. You should get your competition barbecue buddies that you go out and compete against each other. Why don't you just get them together and go cook for the community? They they're gonna need it. Mm. And you know, I, I it, it just hit me, you know, and and uh, it's like you know, uh, yeah. And I didn't say really anything to her except for I gotta go. So I grab my stuff and I leave, and I make it about two miles down the road. And uh, about that time, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna call my mentor, who was one of the other co-founders. Um, my mentor in competition barbecue. And I was like, hey, Jeff, what do you think? Before I could finish the sentence, he's like, man, I've been trying to think of what we could do. This is perfect. So in about a 15-minute phone call, we hatched a plan to go to Joplin to find a place to set up, find food to cook, get barbecuers to come out, get volunteers from the area that just either had a connection to barbecue or, you know, was – you know, or friends of ours, you know, it was just like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're rolling. We, you know, we're going to put up a, uh, uh, a Facebook page 
we're going to create a Facebook page, you know, Operation Barbecue Relief for Joplin. And it's still out there. It's got a couple thousand people that still follow, you know, that still yeah. are on that page. Yeah. We, you know, we post like once a year saying, hey, go follow our real page. <laughs> um, We've evolved. Because We've we, we, we didn't want to get rid of that page. It, it was meant so much at the time. Sure, so we course. just didn't change the name of it. We just created a new page, for, you know, for Operation Barbecue Relief. Um, but yeah, I mean, by Monday afternoon, I was in Joplin. I mean, I, I, I went to, to work. I told my boss what I was looking at doing. I wanted to take off. And he was like, I mean, that was my territory. You know, I mean, I had the western half of the state of Missouri. And uh, he's like, yeah, go. Just do your thing. Don't worry about it. We'll take care Figure of stuff later. Yep. And so, you know, I called my wife on the way home. I was like, I'm coming home, packing up every cooler I've got. I'm going to put up as much ice as I can find because that was the one thing that I was hearing already ice you know it's already hot out everything so get home put the coolers in you know grab grab some clothes don't know when i'm going to be home love you where you're staying <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah i had no idea yeah. so you know along the way i'm making phone calls and there's some good friends of ours in competition barbecue they're like yeah you can crash at our place and so i get to joplin you know i had already contacted the company i worked for at the time they their cat catastrophe team you know insurance company they 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 were like, yeah, you can set up in the same parking lot, I think, that we're in. I mean, how much room you think? And I said, I don't know. We'll just take the corner over here. 20 by 20. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I grew into uh, more space than they had, I think. Um, but, you know, the key was I was there that afternoon, set up. By the next day, I had barbecue teams rolling in. We ended up with barbecue teams from nine additional states that came to Missouri Afterwards, what was going to be four or five thousand meals right before Memorial Weekend, right, turned into, you know, one hundred twenty thousand meals from a parking lot. Damn. And by day three, we knew we had found a gap that existed. You know, the gap is the time it takes from those for the, uh, the larger nonprofits that are going to be there for the to months, and go. weeks, yeah. The, yeah. for the weeks, months, and years ahead to help that community, and the time it takes for the the churches, civic groups, and and local organizations to get their feet up underneath them after something major like that happens. There's a gap, and who better than a bunch of competition barbecue guys who go set up in a parking lot with minimal needs to just go in and cook, you know, provide comfort food. I mean, let's face it. Barbecue is quintessential comfort food. And when you add those components all together, man, it just was a model that we saw could be repeated time and time again. And, you know, about day three, we started hatching a plan on how we were going to turn it into a nonprofit and do this, you know, a few times a year during these major disasters. And, uh, you know, left that parking lot 11, 12 days of cooking and, you know, 120,000 meals and, and knew that, one, we made a difference in that community. Two, you know, we felt good about what we were doing. And and uh, we're really going to, you know, be able to make a difference. And so, you know, about a week after we got back and, you know, got stuff cleaned up and slept, um, we started the, uh, the arduous process. We did all the paperwork ourselves, filing the paperwork with IRS, messing it up two or three times, you know, having to, <laughs> having to write more checks. Um, and, and that's how it started. Um, but we did some small disasters before we ever even got the 501c3 status because, you know, they were out there and there were needs and there were people that were on the ground with us in Joplin saying, hey, can we do this in our commu- this community? It's like an hour away from me. Yeah. Uh, and so that's how it just it, it grew. It started slow. You know, we started really just at the major disasters and some small ones where we had people. And now it's like we're rolling across the country. I mean, now we've been in 30 different states plus the Bahamas doing this. Um, I can't even remember now. It's over 1,200, day, you know, volunteer days on the ground that we've been deployed. Um, you know, we're just north of 10.6 million meals provided to those in need. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it blew up. But, you know, as, as everything blows up and as everything goes – you start looking at what you're doing and looking at the opportunity to do more. And so about probably about five years ago, yeah, no, six years ago, we started looking for ways to activate our volunteers to keep them active so they didn't go somewhere else. You know, you spend a lot of money yeah. and time 
bringing volunteers in and disasters and teaching them and training them. Bringing and them into the culture and the way. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So sure. We, we eventually got to a point where we're like, hey, if there's something in your community that you want to do to give back, you know, get with us. You know, we may not be able to fund the whole thing, but we might be able to give you some seed money to get it started. It's barbecue. So if you're willing to give your time and your smokers and stuff, you know, we can help pay for the meat. And that became wildly successful. I mean, it was, you know, different communities around the country where they're like, hey, this reserve unit just got called up for 14 months. 14 months, they're going to Afghanistan. I'd like to do a going away, you know, barbecue for them and their families. Absolutely. You know, hey, you know, we had this tragic, you know, loss here in the community, losing a, you know, a, a couple of firemen or, you know, police officers or this or that or, you know, hey, we want to do this with this veteran, you know, with VFW here, they're doing this big thing. And we're like, yeah. So as it just started growing, we started seeing that, man, you know, those blue sky days have a lot of opportunity to continue to do good in communities, continue to do good for people. And it keeps our keeps us busy, right? It keeps our volunteers busy. It keeps them active. We know if we keep them active, we're better, we're better because they're going to be coming back, you know, for those disasters, they're going to do more. And that's, you know, by, by almost being selfish and wanting to keep them active, it turned into new programs. It turned into those blue sky day programs. We call them our always serving project. And it, and we call it the always serving project because the focus that we're focusing on in, in our first responders, our veterans and our active military and their families, those are the people that, you know, truly are always out there serving, right? You hear stories every day about, you know, that off-duty uh, fireman that, that jumps, you know, jumps into the middle of something or that off-duty police officer that responds to a call. Um, and uh, those heroes need to be celebrated. And, you know, we, we run into them during deployments too. Um, they're, they're the ones, they're, they're some of the first ones that are on site. You know, they're, they're writing out these things. So we just thought it was, the you know, the right thing to do in building the organization. But, you know, now we're coming up on our 12-year anniversary this this year, or well, this month. And, Congrats. And, yeah, you know, but we're, we're like the tale of two organizations. You know, the, the first about seven years was ran as a bunch of volunteers. And I was the first employee July, uh, you know, of – uh, 2018. Is that what, so, okay. I was going to ask yeah, when, so, when you made the full-time jump. So that's when I made the full-time jump, um, and, uh, started running it full-time was, was, I think my official start date was then. And, uh, so now all of a sudden we go from no full-time employees to the first full-time employee. The second full-time employee starts in, in December that year. The third full-time employee starts in January of the, you know, the next year. And, you know, now we're, we're about ready to hit like 25 full-time employees and seven part-time employees. That's insane. You know, in 12 different states. That's insane. And, and it's, you know, we're, we were, I, I tell people we were virtual before virtual was a thing, right? <laughs> we, you know, before it was sexy and everybody wanted to do it, yeah. we were doing it, yeah. you know, um, because our, our bricks and mortar are, are basically warehouses where we're storing equipment, where we're storing supplies. Um, you know, the office in our, our warehouse in Pecunia, Missouri is uh, about probably two-thirds the size of this room that we're sitting in right now, you know, and it's got crap all over it. I mean, That's it's awesome. not even, it's got like two desks, sit, you know, back-to-back to each other. But everybody has a place, you know, everybody, you know, we use technology to meet like everybody else is these days, and uh, it works. Plus, we're traveling a lot anyway. Yeah. We're yeah. seeing each other. We have events that we're doing get requested to do things. We get requested to be part of, you know, we're part of the national VOAD now. We got big enough that we finally could, you know, not only had the money to pay the dues, but <laughs> we were doing to enough belong. to, be, to yeah. belong, right? Yeah. And now, you know, I'm, I'm on a panel speaking to, you know, about disaster response the, next week. Uh, the national VOAD conference is, is being held in St. Louis this year. And for those that are listening and going, you know, he's using acronyms. I don't know what that means. The National VOAD is, uh, it's Volunteer Organizations Active in Disaster. It was created after Hurricane Katrina to really get all of the, the uh, nonprofits and, and other organizations like ours that, that respond to get them sort of together on the same page. You know, we should all have the, 
the mindset that we can do so much more together than we can divided. Why aren't we working more together? And that was sort of yeah. that approach in, in bringing the VOEDs together. And so the national VOED just oversees every state. You know, I mean, heck, there's some states that are so large, they have county VOEDs, you know, co-ads and stuff. So it's really our way of helping get to the local communities and learn who we are and, you know, get our the word out to them. So, so good. So good. My gosh, my uh, my brain like lit up like a <laughs> like a 1980s call center switchboard, like all these different lines kind of started firing and ringing. Um, well, I want to go back to the beginning and yep. and only only because I sh- a different version of the story, but share a share an experience in Joplin. Yeah. And I was working at the Chiefs at that point, And the Chiefs are an incredibly philanthropic minded and action organization um and we you know same thing like kind of it all happens and we're casey residents and we care and we're watching the news and then i don't remember the exact timeline but it was a monday the monday or tuesday stuff starts getting activated yep and that thursday the whole entire front office and several of the players and lots of the former players um i don't remember exactly i think there's four or five big charter buses and we were from Arrowhead to Joplin. And, you know, grew up in the Midwest, grew up in KC. Tornadoes are like, you know, as common as barbecue. Yeah. Really. Absolutely. And you're like, oh, yeah, tornado warning, big deal. Like, yeah, go to the basement for 10 minutes kind of a thing. And so I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of, of my related childhood experience of a tornado and thinking, oh, man, we're going to roll in. And it's like kind of a, yeah, like the news has made it a big deal. And, dude, I, I, I will never forget, and it's indescribable, but I'll try to describe it anyway. Yep. I will never forget the experience of, like, rolling in off the highway, taking a right, and then it's like, it's it, the only way I can describe it is, like, it felt like a fucking war zone. Oh, yeah. And it was, like, relentless. And it gave me these chills that still sit with me today of, like, oh, my God. It was as wide as you could see it, and it was, it was, block after block after block after block of just. It was clean, literally I mean, devastation. Clean. Yeah. It felt like a zombie apocalypse. I mean, you know, it was unbelievable. You might see that tree that looked like a toothpick because it yeah. it, it picked the bark yeah. off of it, but yeah. didn't pull yeah. that one out of the ground. Yeah. But I mean, you you saw. I mean, there's not a lot of basements in Joplin. You know, in, in that area, there's a lot of there's a lot slab of pure, homes, slab yeah. homes, and then also crawl space homes and you saw a lot of it where the you know you might see part of the crawl space still sitting there but the rest of the house you're like you're looking around going what happened what was where's the roof yeah Yeah. where's where's this and uh yeah that was day uh let's see that was probably wednesday morning i think i had to make a run down to sam's club and sam's club had you know started donating meat i mean they were going through anything that was coming up on like date in the next two days they were just giving it to us here take this cook it for you know yeah and so they told me to come down there and pick up a bunch of stuff so i'm I'm like driving down there and i see that these barricades have been moved off to the side um so i'm like well i'm gonna turn right here because this is gonna take me right to to it and it took me right through the heart of the devastation through a residential neighborhood so i you know i saw like Here's a house completely standing. Doesn't look like anything happened to it. And 100 feet away, you can tell there's a slab sitting there and there's nothing. That's how, you know, tornadoes do it, right? I mean, uh, they're weird. I mean, it's one of those things that 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 devastation can be right next door. You know, the house looks pristine and the yard and everything else doesn't even look bad. Like there's no limbs down, there's nothing. And next one, you know, looks like the yard's been killed and trampled and, and everything else. And you're just like, wow. And I just, I, I saw that for over a mile drive. And that mile seemed, in my head, took an hour to get through, right? Um, and that was the last time I went in the field in Joplin. I didn't want to go back. I mean, we had people taking meals out into the neighborhoods. We, we got some volunteers and people that started coming in and like, and this one lady came in and she was like on her third time through. And we're like, what are you doing? You know, she's like, well, I'm been t- I took some for my family and, and a couple of neighbors. And then I saw some other neighbors. So I came back and got some more food. And now I went to another neighborhood and I, I have some friends there and I wanted to see if I could get some more food. And we're like, 
where is this? Will you take us there? So we just loaded up, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred meals in bulk, grabbed a bunch of to-go containers, grabbed a bunch of buns, a table, a pop-up tent, threw it in the back of a truck, and we followed her. And she's like, yeah, we're going to go to this, you know, here. And we're like, everywhere we went, there was no street signs. I mean, you know, I wasn't super familiar with Joplin. I'd been through it once or twice. Um, It was part of my territory. But I just like, I mean, without a modern-day GPS, you would never have found your way because every landmark was gone, everything. And so, you know, you drive through those neighborhoods, and you, like I said, it was like my first impression. These are people that are digging through things on their front lawn looking for that photo, that wedding photo yeah. or, you know, the, something that grandma gave you or, you know, it, it, they're looking for those memorable pieces that they cannot be replaced in their life. And you, you just, you're, you're lost. I mean, that's why I was like, I, I don't want to go back out there. I, I don't want to see more of it. Yeah. I mean, it was enough that one, you know, that day, that, that 75 80, 80 second drive through that down that street, you know, maybe two minute drive to go through, get a mile. It's haunting. I mean, it, 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 it is. And so, you know, that's, that's, but I think that's what I wouldn't say draw, drew me in or drew others in, not that part of the devastation. It's the, it's the part of helping people, you know, um, Everybody wants to be there on like day one or day two when when this happens. Volunteers are like popping up, like you know, oh, man. all over. Yeah. Yeah. And and part of it is is the disaster side of it. Um, it's the sexier part, right? You're out there. You're in the know. You're, you're the energy's you're, high. You, the energy's high. You you see the difference that you're making when you hand a meal to somebody. You you get to see that that their expression. You get to see the tears. You get to see the. You, you get to experience the hugs. At the end when you're, you know, things are winding down and you're having to do the dirty work and stuff like that, no one wants to do that. <laughs> you know, that's the hardest time to find volunteers. You know, but that's that's also just as important as yeah. the first week. So it's it's really, uh, it, 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 there's a lot of dynamic that goes into it as well. Um, and that's, that's, I think, the part that, that intrigued all of us is how do you build that volunteer you know how do you build a database that you know it's almost you know somewhere around 10,000 people that have said hey I'd I'd come and help out now out of that 10,000 you're probably talking about 700 that are really active um you know some of them if we're in their neighborhood or we're in their in in their town or close by that they come but you know I probably have about 700 that'll jump on a plane or if I say hey Justin I got a plane ticket for you will you come for a week hell yeah count me in Mm -hmm. um Otherwise, it's it's those local volunteers, yeah, and that's where you get the biggest stories are the local volunteers. Mm, the biggest stories in what sense? Oh, I mean, you go back to Joplin. I mean, one of our volunteers after he got his family settled and everything, you know, said, "Hey, I can't do anything about my house about right now. I mean, my family settled there with my fam with my parents. Uh, I got to do something." I had a barbecue guy show up, you know, and uh, he's like, "Hey, I want to help." Okay, great, jump in. And then we hear his story that, you know, him and his wife and his, uh, she's probably, she's got to be about 17, 18 years old now, mm. you know. Um, yeah, probably about 17 years old. She was probably about five years old. Dang. You know, when, when the tornado came through, they were in the bathroom, in, in the bathtub, and uh, you could see blue sky, you know, from the bathtub. Good night. And, uh, it haunted her for she had you know, nightmares for years as a little child um, because of that. How could you not? Um, yeah. But he came, and uh, you know he's like, I got to take care of the people in my community. Mm-hmm. And then two years almost to the day, which will be coming up on the ten year anniversary of the Moore Oklahoma tornado, he showed up in Moore Dang. to pay it forward to another community. Mm-hmm. That's so rich, man. Um, I'm curious, what is it about the barbecue? And the specifically the competition barbecue committee or not committee community um, that is uniquely positioned to solve. I know you can't eradicate it. Like it's not like a yeah. It's it uh, uh, it's not like 
a, a final solve. It's not an eternal solve, of course. But in that, like, I loved how you said the humanity of it and the devastation and desperation of it. A meal, quite literally, is a fundamental core need. Oh, yeah. And like, what is it about the background as, like, barbecue competition guy and re- related community who's now deeply embedded in the DNA of who you all are? And, and I'm thinking of efficiency, speed. Vol- yeah. you, you threw out a minute ago, like, a couple hundred meals. Like, like that's some, like, little petty thing. Like, me going to Chick-fil-A <laughs> for our kids, right? Like, um, it, that's, like, nothing to you. I think the volume is hard to comprehend. When, it, it is. When you talk about a million meals served, it's, like, to you, it's, like, yeah. <laughs> to us, I mean, it's, like, wait, a couple hundred meals on the bed of a truck? Like, how? I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious about the mindset of a barbecue pit team. Yeah. How does that play out in, in your organization? So, I mean – since we've grown so far past that part, you know, now it's like, you don't, uh, I, look, I need everybody, right? Yeah. If you have a heart you to give, I, I, I yeah. you, yeah. Know, you don't have to be a pit master. But th- at the beginning, it was everybody using their own competition smokers or a bigger smoker if they had it, right? Because they did some catering on the side, so they had a bigger rig. Um, you know, it's really about the fact that, you know, we knew how to do it with very little. I mean, that's when you compete and you're in a parking lot, any given day, that parking lot's bare until you f- show up, and you're setting up, uh, you know, basically a tent city um, with competition smokers and trailers around. And so, I mean, the idea was, look, like we, we many of us do this without a generator. We have, you know, we can do this. We're self-contained. You know, we can do these things. And so that that was just the idea. You know, hey, let's go do that. You know, now we've scaled this thing to to a point that I mean. Southwest Florida, I had I had enough smokers on the ground and, and equipment that I could do sixty five thousand meals in a day, and you know so when I say a couple hundred meals, <laughs> and, and I don't mean it to be sort of flippant and uh, no no no, you know, that's not but how, yeah but but I'll I've done it where I, I'll say yeah oh yeah we just, you know we did ten or twelve thousand in a day and people are like huh. and I'm like yeah but you have to understand I I had smokers in the parking capacity lot for for sixty five thousand yeah. I mean I'm rolling in semi trucks now I'm bringing you know. With, with smokers on them i've got i've got generators that are, that are mounted to the step deck of, of, of a flatbed trailer that that power the entire kitchen area um i carry that stuff with me so when i roll in i'm i'm, I'm self-contained you know self-contained now for us means <laughs> doesn't me, means i can power a small city usually when, when i get going i mean you know the one just on that one that one generator powers all of our needs for the culinary area insane yeah it's a 56 describe the culinary area what does that mean in your so mind like in, 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 in my mind you, you know if you grew up like i did you know you watched a lot of mash when you were a little kid you know and you you, you think of you know these big tents where they set up the kitchen and, and everything but with really good food instead of the yeah. food that they had yeah. back then um so you know i think the tent that we had set up and and i'll use southwest florida because it's the last major disaster Southwest Florida, we we're, were sitting there with a tent that was, I think, I think, it was 40 by 100. So a 40 foot wide by 100 foot long. And uh, we had, you know, in one corner, we have along the back and the side, we have all the smokers set up. So they're backed in, so you're underneath the tent, you can reach in right there next to it. The other, the, the opposite corner is we have something called a tilt skillet. Think of it like a, a f- like, I guess a, uh, um, uh, I don't want to say a crock pot because crock pot's slow. So I mean, it's more like um, like a blackstone or different than that. No, no, no. It's it's more like a. I mean, it's big pot that's gonna boil water. In, you know, Got it's it. like an instapot. Okay. That's gonna boil water in you know two minutes. But massive. But 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 holds you know can hold up to forty gallons of water. Oh my. Or you know, and so we can cook a third. You know, about a thousand servings of. <laughs> corn or green beans in about an hour in the thing. Yeah, we can from from cold state to done in an hour. You know, 180 degree, you know, poured out you know, poured out, put it into cameras or whatever to go. So so you have these two production areas and we separate them. We have volunteers that, that work on on the meat and we have volunteers that work on the sides. And then in between it is is all of we use a lot of you know, we've gone as green as we can in, in a lot of in a lot of ways. Yeah. We use these. Uh, Cambro is a manufacturer of the, um, that makes some, some 
well, a lot of product in the kitchen. Well, they make these styrofoam boxes that hold about 150 servings in them. We, we use a heavy mill poly liner, goes in there, you put all the food in it, take a zip tie literally, you, you zip tie it, you push it down in there, and you put a top on, and it can hold it hot in there. If you put it in at 180 degrees, eight hours later, it's probably at 160. Gosh dang. So it's super efficient. You wash it, reuse it mm. every day. And now I'm not using aluminum pans. I'm not using you know other things. I'm using something that that will last for two to three years before I you know have to use it for something else. It's not going to be the lid won't fit tight enough. Yeah. It'll lose it. You know, so it's you know now all of a sudden we're not we're not filling up our dumpster with a bunch of or other people's dumpsters with a bunch of aluminum pans and other things like that. You know it's it's a little bit more sustainable. We're not as green as we would like to be, but we're moving that direction. I mean, the, my, my production, my consumption of aluminum product has gone down probably 75 to 80%, Dang. you know, from where we were before we had these. Um, you know, and we look for continued ways, like stupid little things like a number 10 can, you know, that, that's sitting there, yeah. you know, that's 25 servings. But, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, yeah. may know that, may not, you know. But that's 25 servings. Well, if you have a flat of those, there's six cans in there. So think about that if I'm doing 25,000 meals in a day. How, how, so, uh, how, how many of those cans I got to open? And then where are they going? Yeah. So yeah. we actually have a can crusher that takes them and crushes them to about, you know. That's awesome. One, One-sixth the size. So... I can put twenty four. I can put twenty four of those cans. What's crushed back in that same flat. That's awesome. That so awesome. now I now I don't have to have them come and pick up the dumpster as much. You know, it's just little things like that. That as as, as you start the to, reps went on. Yeah. You know, you, you become more efficient. You figure out ways to do things faster. You figure out ways to do things better. You figure out, and at the end of the day, you're keeping your food quality. That's to us. That's still super important. You know. You're giving somebody a hot meal that may not have had a hot meal in days. You want them to be like, oh, my God. You know, this This isn't just sustenance. It's not It's not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's not a ham sandwich. It's not a granola bar. Yeah. It, it is. This is a hot. Good you know, meal. Yeah. Good meal. And and it really then goes to the psychology of it, right? Because as you're smelling that, your, your sense of smell is so much stronger than everything else. Now, all of a sudden, you're... You, you, it takes you back to that last barbecue you had at your home or the last block party you had with your neighbors or something like that. That's what those smells do, right? And as you start, th- people can now start seeing that happening again, which now all of a sudden they're getting over some of the shock that they have and they're starting to think Find about some the solid future. Ground. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's where you have to get them to, right? You have to get them to thinking forward, you got to think of the good times that are that they're going to have again with uh, those neighbors in the backyard with the family. Uh, you know, barbecue is also one other thing that that people know, but they they don't think about as much. It's probably the most celebrated food out there, for sure. You know, for I sure. mean, not too many of them celebrate life, celebrate weddings, celebrate births, celebrate you know all of that the the circle of life, so to speak, the way barbecue does. You know. And it, in that, I think it, you know, it just becomes that comfort food that people relate to almost every situation. And, and it's not in a negative way. It's not, you know, it's, it, it's it a is in a joyous, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a joyous type of way. Yeah. So, you know, so when you, we put all those things together, I, I tell people there's only one other food that I think of more, uh, every bit as much as comfort food as barbecue and that's fried chicken. <laughs> that's right. You know, it's that's the only right. other food that I can yeah. truly sit there and yeah. say that growing up or anything else that, I mean, yeah. at a barbecue or at an event, if it wasn't barbecue, it was fried chicken. I, I mean, I can't think of anything else. I love that. We're, it makes me think we're working together on this project with yeah. our friends at national beef. And you use this phrase. Uh, and if I remember my, my memory gets foggier <laughs> by the day, it seems. But um, you used this phrase on the call, and I was like, damn it, yep. I typed it, and I was like, like, asterisk, asterisk, title of the title of the article. And you said a version of 
the healing power of food. Yep. And I wonder to you what that means and why that's significant. Yeah, you know, I think to me, the healing power of barbecue. Yeah, that's what you said. Sorry. Yeah. The healing, the healing power, power of barbecue, of barbecue is, is really, it, it has very little to do with how the food tastes. It's all about the psychology of that. It's, it's what that meal means at the time. It's what that meal signifies to people. You know, each person is a little bit different. Uh, I think I told you guys the story of the, the first the first person that I talked to about and the first time I was ever thanked for, for a meal in Joplin. It was a little old lady that came pulling in the parking lot. And uh, I watched her from the time her car started turning in the parking lot till the time she parked. And you could hardly see her in her car. It was so packed to the ceiling and the car was beat. You know, I mean... Mm. You could tell branches had fallen on it, things had hit it, um, you know, glass was cracked. She got out of the car, and I just remember, man, that, that could be my grandma. That could be, you know, somebody. Um, so as she was wa- wandering around, and and even though you could see where people were standing in line and everything, I thought, well, I'm going to go check out, see. So I stopped and see what she needed. She was like, I, I just heard there was meals here, and I haven't had a, you know, a meal, and and I was told to come over here. And I was like, absolutely. So I walk her over to the line and say, enjoy or whatever. Not really thinking much of it. You know, at this point in time, I'm thinking, you know. Yeah, get them in. This is this is a pulled pork sandwich. It's simple. And, uh, you know, probably about 10 minutes later, I see her standing over in the same area again. But now she's crying. Holding a to-go container and she's crying. And now I'm like freaked out. Oh, my God, what happened? And I walk over there. And I'm like, you know, what's, are you all right? You know, she's like, I just need to know who to thank. And it was like, it was like getting punched in the face by, because I was like, what do you mean? It's just a pulled pork sandwich. She's like, no, it's much more than a pulled pork sandwich. She's like, it shows that we're loved in this community, that we are not forgotten. You guys thought enough to come here for us. And I just want to thank somebody for that. And I mean, at that minute in time, I was like, man, I am just so wrong. What that means, that's not a pulled pork sandwich. That was the first time I really understood that, you know, what we cooked, what we cook, it doesn't matter if it's pulled pork sandwich, brisket sandwich, chicken sandwich, whatever it is. It's not about the sandwich. It's about the fact that we showed up, that we came there, that we're doing something for that community. And, yes, it just happens to be really good food on top of that. Man, it's beautiful. I feel it, and I'm grateful you share the story. Um, so good, man. I have this train I want to go down the tracks with you on. And I know you'll you'll be humble, but I, I'd like for you to not be, <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, there's, like, photo evidence of your team in the wake of the Southwest Florida hurricane, of which, you know, I've got my in-laws live in Naples. They were, they were concerned. Naples didn't get hit as hard as Fort yeah. Myers and Sanibel and all that. Um, but there's, there's vis- vis- video and visual evidence of your team, like, standing in the epicenter with – and I might get the details wrong. I hope you'll correct me. Sure. With with the governor's team, with the like Red Cross group, like the the people that make the big decisions. Y- y'all are like at the table. Not yeah. a, and there's no table. You're standing in the wake of a devastating event. Uh, you know, and, and my like weird brain connects to like, you know, post pandemic, everybody was like looking to Chick Fil A to understand like, hey, how do you like make the drive through lines more efficient, better? Yeah. Right. Like y- you guys. For sure, you served a bunch of pulled pork sandwiches and and pulled brisket or and brisket sandwiches. Thanks to our friends at National Beef. Um, but I'm wondering, like, what it is about the way you guys operate and view the world and view um, emergency relief. And we're going to shift quickly into the non-emergency relief. Yeah. But like that picture in my mind of Governor DeSantis and your team and you standing and making the damn decisions. Yeah. Why? So. So when, when Governor DeSantis and his team came in, it was because they heard of what we were doing. I mean, they came in a day that we were, we were putting out over 30,000 meals out of, that, out of that kitchen, and we were standing in that parking lot, and I'm telling him what we're doing. And, you know, he's not understanding it. Just, I mean, he, he's having a hard time comprehending 30,000 meals in a parking lot of a, you know, 
of the furniture store that we're set up in. And so I'm walking him through the area, showing him where all of this is being done and how it's being done and the generosity of the companies such as, you know, National Beef and, you know, Prairie Fresh Foods and all of these companies that, that are sending meat down there because they want to make sure that the people in those communities are taken care of. They want to support us and the good that we're doing. And, yeah, th- th- that's where decisions are being made. He's like, you need more what? I need more people. I need more this. I need more that. Look, I have what I need to cook right now, but I, I'm only, like, there's only, ver- there's only a few things that keep us from doing more, right? It's either the product, which I had on site. It is the cookers, which I had on site. But the volunteers, I don't have enough beds for them to sleep in to be here or the resources to find them locally or, you know, and in the, over the next couple of days, man, all of a sudden, the daily volunteers started rolling in. The people started rolling in. About a week later, another bunkhouse gets there. I get this. And now, you know, at, at the height of it, we probably had hundred over 100 people staying in a parking lot in bunkhouses and travel trailers and, and tents, yeah. you know. And it was all for one thing, the common good of helping, you know, their fellow neighbor. And, and that's what, you know, it doesn't matter if it was Governor DeSantis or another governor or another person coming in there. Politics at that point paid nothing That's into right. it. It was about what can you do That's to right. help. You know, you know, as I tell people, I, there is something extremely humbling about getting into a food service line, <laughs> yes. right? Because when p- people are like, well, how do you know that you're serving the people in need? I'm like, well, there's two, you know, you can look at it two ways, Right. If you didn't need that, that meal, and you just got in that food service line because you're a cheapskate and you wanted to get a free meal, well, you can look at you it from from that. the faith side of it. Yeah. You know, you got to be right with your maker when you yeah. meet him. Yeah. Or karma's a bitch, and it's going to come back around. You know, <laughs> it's not for me that. to. That's not for me to <laughs> determine that that person didn't need it that's because right. I'll feed ten of them that's just right. to make sure I get to the family that needed it right behind them. And I think by taking the approach of, hey, we're going to feed everybody. You know, I don't keep demographic information. I, I don't know how many people were Latino or how many people were African-American or how many. They needed a meal and I fed them. That's that's it. You know, I don't, I don't know their religious affiliation. I don't know their political affiliation. I don't care. None of that. You know, yeah, I have people on both sides of the fence working on the same food service line that I know that guy is so far right he can't see left, and at the same time the person sure. across from him is the opposite. And guess what? They're both working together. There is no party line. There is none of that. And that's what we need more of. Amen. Amen, dude. Speaking of more of, let's. Um, y- you are you have built quite literally, you've breathed into existence. So thank you. A wonderful service of good that's helped over, well, it's un, uh, it's unable to be counted, but 1.2 million meals, all that, right? In response to a disaster. Yep. You would be so wealthy, you wouldn't have been in this seat had you been able to predict any of these disasters, <laughs> forecast when or where or how. Sure. Okay. So this kind of um, first ones in mindset is is such a wonderful thing, and I know you your hearts will continue to beat for work like that. Um, I know parts of the story, but I'd, I'd love for you to shift us into like the blue sky days, the yeah. the 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 deep rootedness that you're growing in um, in you know down near the Lake of the Ozarks, and, and yep. obviously broader than that. But tell us what you're up to with the uh, the the non-disaster part of your organization. So the non-disaster part of the organization is, is the growing part, right? You know, because there's more blue sky days every year than there are gray. And so I want to be able to do more, you know, I want, I want to be able to affect more people, you know, throughout the year than just during disasters. And, and that was really, you know, we started by very simply using our talents for grilling and barbecue barbecue to give life skills to our first responders, veterans, military members, and their families. Bring them together around a grill, give them skills so they can go back and do it themselves. 
God forbid we ever have to come to their community. Maybe we just got some new volunteers out of it. You know why we're doing that, right? That's is the simple model that we started. We started going around the country. We started doing these two-day barbecue classes and stuff like that. And then the pandemic hit. And and we 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 morphed during the pandemic. We did things. We did some virtual stuff. We did you know we tried some things, and we're still doing virtual stuff. You know, um, but during that time, we had an opportunity to really reflect on how we continue to to improve in that area. And, you know, we found that, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be where we're traveling around the country in different parking lots and pulling in people, that there are just as many people that see the value of a destination location to be able to bring those people. Yeah, well, well is it less people than it are at a barbecue basic if we bring them to camp? Yeah, it is. You're talking about, you know, I want these to be impactful moments. But at Camp OBR... What we're going to create is probably about six families at a time coming in for five days or something like that, six days, and immerse them, bring them away from their homes, put them into an unknown. We're going to use grilling and barbecue still, but now we're going to use nature. We're going to use fishing, you know, skeet shooting, whatever it might be, just hiking, being in nature. Heck, teaching kids how to skip rocks again on, on, on the shore of shore of of the lake i mean this property is just under 200 acres it sits right on lake of those arcs about 1500 foot of lake frontage we already have a lodge on there um we bought it from a very very you know um giving family who once they learned what we were wanting to do um made us a heck of a deal on the Mm -hmm. property and and we found out after the fact it was their healing place they had lost their daughter at the time that they started building the place and they put everything into the place and they spent about five years uh, after they got the log home up, they spent five years finishing the log home themselves on the inside as their therapy. So when you start, you know, when I bring up that, Hey, we're going to turn this into a healing place and this is what it is. All of a sudden it's like 30 years. Yeah. She, so, um, but it's, it's really about the family. You know, we just find again, on the disaster side, we found a gap that existed, and we just thought we were uniquely qualified. Well, here again, we think we're uniquely qualified because the gap that we see now is the families. The families of the first responders, veterans, military members that are struggling from physical and emotional injuries, there's a lot of programs out there for the service member themselves, but there's a lot fewer programs that are really taking the family together, bringing them back together and trying to help them grow back together, help them repair bonds and, and, and really be, you know, be a family again. And that's really what we want to do there. We want to bring families together and using our passion for grilling and barbecue, cooking outdoors, bringing them together, hopefully giving them life skills that as a family, they'll leave there and start cooking together. That, that, that food, which is one of the greatest unifiers in the world, can help unify the family again. And that's really what the camp is going to be. It's going to be that kind of a healing place. It's going to be a place that will bring these families where they'll, they'll build new bonds with other families that are going through the same thing they are. This question maybe feels elementary, but I think your answer will be profound. Why is the healing important in the beginning? Like, why, why is that a... Um, a purpose of these camps like what's what's at stake for you as you think about the possibilities of healing you know I I think if we don't bring them together I think this is a fundamental piece that's being missed right now um, across all all segments of our first responders veterans military members is those families that are going through whether it's a a physical injury that they've sustained whether it's a traumatic brain injury um you know, burns, amputations, whatever, that's a very emotional time. But then we also know that the hidden injuries themselves are, are potentially even worse uh, on the families. But if we don't start the healing, if we don't start bringing them back together, we already have a skyrocketing, you know, let, let, we'll start backwards, right? Right now, you, you see all the stats, it's 22, 22 a day. You know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. That's, that's, that. That's just astounding to think that in today's society, we cannot do more, you know. And 
unfortunately, our first responders, they're not at that, uh, fortunately, they're not at that point, but unfortunately, they're, they're accelerating at a higher rate than any other group right now in that. And we, we have to do something to stop it. And, and look, we're just one camp. We're just one, you know, it, it, but you've got to start somewhere. And if we can start a movement where we start working backwards, right? If we start saving families to where they don't go through divorce, they don't, you know, the codependency part, you know, if we can keep them from becoming, you know, you know, getting into alcohol or drugs to numb the feeling, if we can keep them from those pieces and then we can keep them, you know, hopefully we do those things, it keeps them from getting to the depression state that there's no one there for them. There's not a reason to live. You know, and I figure, you know, if you if you keep one, if you did 30 camps a year and you had six six families in each of those and you keep one family out, out of each camp from ever going down the road of, of divorce, wow, just think of the power of that over the years. And, you know, if out of all of those camps, you kept one person, you know, out of that year that got to that desperation point from committing suicide, that would be huge. I, I, I can't fathom the day because I know it's going to happen because we're building this camp. When somebody tells me that somebody, you know, committed suicide that went through a camp, you know, unfortunately, I've already thought it's going to happen. God, would I love to, to be able to say it didn't happen, right? I can't stop all of it. I can't do it. But I think more people have to step up and do their part. There's more opportunities for this. And we're seeing a huge response already from some of them, some of the other um, nonprofits that we're working with that have programs that want to use. Uh, I mean, we're, we're planning on using them as referral sources, right? You know the, f- the service members, and you hear their stories about their families. So let's work together. Sure. Let's bring them together. Our first camp is scheduled for... Uh, I think it's the second or third week of J- July. So our this first summer, yes, this summer. Come on, man. So we have those tiny cabins. We won't have everything in there. We'll have our bunkhouse trailer down there if needed. We'll have our we'll have our bath trailer down there that we use in disasters, so they can have a place. But we have these little glamping cabins that awesome. that'll be there, and it's a men's camp, and it's a gold star men's camp. So it is father, son, brother, husband. So uh, you think about that. Those four, so you have, you know, the majority of the time, the men are the ones that, have, you know, especially on the veteran side, that are killed. But you, you have started seeing more and more women. So their husbands or their children, you know, their sons or their brothers or their, their fathers are invited. So we're going to have a dozen, 15, something like that, that, are, that come in for this. And not only do they want to come there to do a service project for us, you know, so half the day they're going to be working on a service project for the camp. The other half of the day we're going to use, you know, the, the nature. We're going to use grilling and barbecue. So each day they'll so they'll good. get a different little program piece that they're going to go through. And so they'll be learning a new skill while helping us out. And it, it, so it's a best of both worlds. And, and, and going through this, uh, you know, that organization is called Tuesday's Children. I didn't know much about them until we started talking. Um you know, and, and they're a great one that you've never heard of. You should go, you should go learn more about because they started after 9-11. And it was for the children of those that were affected from 9-11. Yeah. Um, so as, as they've grown, they've gotten into this side and they've really working with those families that have lost that loved one. Well, now they started publicizing this first men's camp. And all the women are going, hey, wait a minute. Time what out. about me? <laughs> Time out, bro. Wait a minute. Look, I need that skill. And you think about it, and we've already been doing more, quite a few uh, Gold Star Wives um, program stuff. We've done those virtual. And, but about the same amount of time, the person that lost their life, it's probably about the same amount of time, same percentage. That person was the one that did the grilling and barbecue. So now it's a way to bring families yeah. further to back together if mom's out there grilling and doing things that dad used to do just to bring the family back and also remember you know dad why they're doing it so it's it's it it is i mean again memories and and sounds smells um 
are a lot of times, you know, what anchors us. Yeah. 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 Man, I'm, uh, my, um, gratitude is, is, uh, present and I'm grateful, man. Like it's just, just a humbling thing to see what you've, uh, you and your, of course, your team, your volunteers and everybody involved, but the, the bravery it took, um, your wife 12 years ago (laughs) to be like, Hey, you should go. Oh yeah. You're late. She doesn't like the yeah. fact that I r- remind her of that when I like I just got off the road, being on the road for 14 days. Yeah, she probably doesn't and, love that part. And and I was like, hey, it's your fault. Yeah, I mean, you're That's the right. one that started this thing. Uh, that doesn't that that, that doesn't go well. No, it no, doesn't. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't even well. it doesn't even work anymore. <laughs> She's like, mm, uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, my last question before we we hit you with the f- the final five yeah. is in our little like pocket of the podcast internet, right? There's a big broad ocean out there and we have this this little pond. Um how can how can we help? How can we support? What can this yeah. our little community, what can they do to help? There's I tell people there's always three ways that, that people can help. You know, the first one is volunteer. Uh, you know, go to our website, go to obr.org, hit that little, that red volunteer button at the top and start the process, right? To to becoming a, a verified volunteer. If you don't have the time to do that and everything, you can do the easy one. You know, go go hit the donate button. Yeah, you know, both of those are important. <laughs> you know, they're both important. Um, donate button. You know, there's not, there's nothing, you know, too small and there's nothing too big that you can give. I mean, we need both. You know, all. Um, and then the third is, is always. You know, I tell people is if you can't do either of those, share the podcast, mm. put it on your social media, tell the people about what you just listened to, why you why you think it's important. Um, and I'll throw in a fourth one. You know, if, if there's a company out there that's listening to this, so you work for a company that, that likes, you know, being aligned with organizations doing good, send it over to your company saying, why aren't we, why aren't we working with them? Why, I mean, we do a lot of corporate volunteer opportunities. We do a lot with, you know, obviously product that's needed out there. There's a lot of things that we can do, and, and we align, I think, well with a lot of companies. So those are those are the ways people that are listening can help. I love that. Our uh, it, it just it ties back in full circle here. The our friends at National Beef, who we share lots of connections and friendship and, and community with, it's their story to tell. So I won't tell it. But the the instant generosity, <laughs> and the instant like out. This is not their words; it's their mind. The instant like hell yeah, we're going to support that. Yep. And we're going to send, because you've paved the way, uh, because your team is the has been the brave ones to go first, there's a lot of good following, literally following your footsteps. And I hope sure. you know that. I hope you feel that. I hope you you celebrate that and feel Absolutely. In, in the moments that are really freaking hard, because I know you have them. Oh, yeah. Um, I hope that you see the impact that it, that uh, that you're having. It's really cool. Um, all right, man, fi- the final five. Yep. Uh, first thing that comes to mind. Because I know you're a in the moment guy, which I love. Uh, last book or a powerful book you would recommend? Boy, um, or podcast or oh, resource? Gosh, or what's the name of it? I, 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 it's uh, um, God. It's a CEO leadership book, um, and I can't think you of the title. You need one, bro. Yeah. Well, this one, this one is basically about how. Being the CEO is the loneliest position at a company. Mm, that'll preach at times, yeah. You know, because that'll you preach. don't have a peer to go to. And so it, it, it walks you through, you know, as as a CEO, how to how to breach, you know, breach that. How do you breach the gap? And and so, you know, this year, because of that book, I actually have gone out and I've I've joined a couple of I joined a CEO leadership nonprofit group yeah. of other nonprofit leader CEO leaders, Good executive directors. So it, it's important, you know, as I as I see the organization growing, that you know, I'm I'm not a big book reader, so for me to pick up a book like that and, <laughs> yeah. and spend the time, it's yeah, yeah that's it good. was important. That's good. Obviously, not important enough for no, me to remember okay. the time. No, but but the concept is, I'm glad you shared it because it, yeah. it can be a lonely endeavor and to have community. Um, and I, I I went on a similar path and joined a, a roundtable about 18 months ago, and I'm like, oh. You, you too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, and, and more, more, th- more than that, it was like, oh gosh, like these people are freaking so smart and I had lots yep. to learn clearly. Absolutely. Um, favorite t-shirt. What's your like go-to comfy t-shirt? My, my go-to comfy t-shirt is, you know, is going to actually be remade, um, by us. Uh, Love it. I, I made a, I had a, a pig t-shirt made 
Um, it's probably been about six six years ago, and it, it's softest shirt, you know, oh, back yeah. then. But it's a pig T-shirt that has all the cuts, you know, Sweet. on it. But instead of it saying ribs and stuff like that, it says it. it's more of a definition of what a nonprofit is. You know, it's giving. It is, you know, 501c3, you know, all of these different That's things cool. of what a nonprofit cool. is on a shirt, volunteer, all those buzzwords that you think of. Whatever. Yeah. 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 And so you see it on this T-shirt, and most people never read it. But when a person reads it, you should see the difference it may, you know, like, oh, cool. my God, that's so cool. I just got it. That's awesome. And, and so that's my favorite T-shirt. That's a good uh, one. That's a good one. That's a beautiful story to tell, too. That's so good. Um, favorite place on earth? Man, there's been a couple of them, you know. Um, it depends on what time of the year it is, right? Uh, it used to be that uh, um, basically the Jackson Hole, Wyoming area, oh, okay. right outside the Tetons, right outside forget of there. It. It's one of my favorite places yeah, on earth, it. right? You know, Snake River, sitting there, on, on you know, fishing or whatever. Um, but because it. now I'm a little bit of, uh, you know, as I get older, I, 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 I'm less susceptible to stand up there when it's snowing. Um, I would say on the other end of it is uh, there's a stretch of beach uh, between uh, Clearwater and, and St. Pete called uh, Indian Rocks Beach, and it's one of my favorite places to just go. And uh, it's, it's – Put your ass in the sand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, we have this phrase in our world, human first storytelling, and, and, and the belief that, that if – a brand can lead with the connection to humanity, which is quite yeah. literally where your business and organization started. Um, that 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 has the ability to impact for good. What does human first mean to you? I think I to me it's uh, you know whether it's your neighbor, or it's you know somebody you don't even know. It's putting them ab- in front of you. You know, it's it's it is knowing that you know being a servant you know, a, a servant leader that you're putting someone else first before you, whether it's, you know, the sort of the, um, with your team, the leader eats leader last, eats, yeah, you know, yeah. or, or it is, you know, I mean, I tell people, like, if, if you're not holding the door for the person that, you know, that's, that's coming behind you, you know, you're, you're missing the boat. It is, it's, it's that little piece uh, that I think sparks things in humanity, right? Amen. And that we have to get back to that as, as, as a society. We just have to get back to, you know, showing respect and, and, and that, mm. you know, you, that you're recognizing the people around you, right? Amen. Amen. That'll preach, dude. I love that. I'll come to that sermon all day. <laughs> um, last one. When it's all said and done, what does Stan Hayes want to be remembered for? Yeah, that's that's the one. I, that's probably the, <laughs> the, the. It's one of those questions I probably hate most, right? Yeah. Because I hate thinking about you know me because it's not about me. It's not about um, that. But you know, I I know I know a lot of people think that, that and know me that would say, oh, it's probably you know the fact that you've done ten point six million meals, and by the time that happens, maybe it's twenty or a hundred or you know, whatever million meals, and the people that you've helped, and that that is. You know, something I think early on that I would have said, but I think over the last few years where I've gotten to is the differences I've made in people's lives that that have been able to come out and volunteer Mm. and help make a difference in other people's lives through those meals. So the opportunity uh, to show somebody how their selfless, selfless act of an hour or five hours, 12 hours in a day of what it can mean to 25,000 people mm-hmm. and, and how that, you know, as, as a, as a society, if we get more people to, to take that time to go do that again, it comes back to what a better world we'd have. The healing power of barbecue. Absolutely. Written by Stan Hayes. Let's go, <laughs> dude. Come on. Uh, obr.org. That's the main place people that's, should. That's you. the main place. That's yeah. the main place. And, and what a great and, domain, by the way. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it didn't start that way. It took us a few <laughs> years before we could buy that. Could afford and, that. And, 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 and pay for that one. Um, I love that. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, you, you, uh, social media, it's OPBBQ Relief. 
is the the ta- the handle for you know whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I think it's even that on the TikTok and uh, and and I think there's even a Snapchat one out there, but I couldn't tell you if that because awesome. the only Snapchat I do is That'll to follow you. my kids on yeah. uh, you know see yeah. where they are online you know yeah yep. uh, location services yeah Those exactly handy. <laughs> it's the handy feature of that app um, yeah man it's uh, uh, from from a, a marketer minded organization towards you, like it's wonderful to see the stories you guys are telling. Um, you're doing good anyway, and that you're able to then uh, share those for others to see and be a part of is really powerful. So keep up the great work, man. We're super grateful you'd be with us today. Hey, man, it's great to reconnect. It's been a long time since yeah. we've uh, seen each other, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. Amen, dude. Thanks, Dan. We appreciate you, dude. <laughs>